Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Leaders Alliance podcast. My name is John Bootsma. I am standing in for Michael and Diane Brodeur today. God bless them. Really love and appreciate them and, and appreciate the privilege of being able to do so now. I want you to know that Leaders Alliance is a ministry of Catch the Fire. Uh, based, there's an incredible move of the spirit in the mid-90s, so based out of Toronto, Raleigh would be our American headquarters, but we really exist within Leaders Alliance to seek to equip and empower followers of Jesus to maximize their personal leadership potential, recognizing their God-given destiny, design, seeking to discover that. We want to build interdenominational community of kingdom-minded leaders and, and seek to give opportunities for connection, for collaboration. Uh, the, the, the opportunity for that, the, the realm for that is really huge. And I believe that as we're together, uh, we're stronger. And so we want to build those things as the Lord leads us. Ultimately, we want to really very much seek to see and to catalyze revival within the saints. We want to see reformation in the church. It's time for another reformation. And uh, the world needs to be transformed. The Lord's prayer was your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So I believe that's a that's a value, that's a goal that is worthy of seeking. And ultimately, uh, collectively, we want to be able to come before the Father and say, Lord, by your grace, we've taken the great commission and seen a fulfillment of that. And so today, uh, as, as other times, we like to interview different people that we feel carry areas of expertise or anointing or authority in different areas. And one is our friend, David Smock. Uh, David was uh, spent a lot of years in Baltimore. It's where I first met him in 2019. Got to know David a little bit better in Raleigh, North Carolina. And David is a man who has had a lot of expertise in the area of leadership, uh, leadership coaching and leadership development, pastoring. He was part of the Christian Missionary Alliance and has been trained through the Maxwell, John Maxwell Leadership Coaching and, uh, and as a friend, I've just so appreciated the nuggets of wisdom, the experience, the, the biblical understanding that he carries, but also the, the recognized need to be those that carry out the Great Commission. And so today we're looking at speaking about what it means to live as apostolic sent ones, you know, the realm of, of apostolic development and leadership. And so I want to welcome to our podcast, David Smock. Once again, you were with us earlier in the year, David, but welcome back again. Well, it's a good to be on here, John. Um, I know uh, originally my wife was going to join me, but uh, she kind of got called into work. So um, sometime I just to put a plug in you guys' ear, you need to have my wife on here. She's amazing. Uh, I definitely married up in, in marrying my wife, so love her deeply. That's good, David. Well, God bless you. Any man that will honor his wife is worthy to hear from as well. And Meryl is a treasure. <laughs> Meryl is a treasure. I fully agree. Having met her, and I appreciate the boldness that she carries and walks in, and just the heart for discipleship as well. As a yeah. matter of fact, David, speaking Amen. of discipleship, our, just the time that we got to connect with you in the same city, I really honored and, and respected the, the, the passion and as, as shown through the way you lived your lives for discipleship, 
because your history was to the poor, to the broken, to the downcast, I saw you doing that. And, you know, I, I know today we want to talk about living as sent ones, but you can't talk about it unless you live it first. And so why don't you just start by sharing some of how you did live that? What yeah. how, how that yeah. took root in your hearts and lives and became a priority in the way you lived your lives. Yeah, that was huge. We we loved our time uh, in Raleigh, part of Catch the Fire. We uh, we got to uh, really pour into some really uh, amazing young adults while we were there with the School of Revival and everything. But and and now we're actually in uh, outside of Pittsburgh. We're kind of doing the same thing, really pouring into leaders, kind of living out that Timothy mandate of Paul to to Timothy. You know pouring the faithful men who will pour in the faithful men who will pour in the faithful men. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, he says men, but it's, it's women and men. It's pouring the faithful people who will pour in the faithful people who will pour in the faithful people. And so, yeah, what's, that's kind of on my heart today. I, I just really want to even share a, some, uh, like a story that someone told me, I want to kind of begin with this because it really impacted me. It was, it was life changing for me. I was, uh, attending seminary outside of New York City and um, uh, a church planter in New York City shared a story of how he was sitting on the cliffs of New Jersey overlooking New York City and it was in the middle of the night probably like four o'clock in the morning and, and he looked at New York City and he began to despair the darkness of New York City and the Lord speaks to him and says David what do you see and he says uh I just see the darkness of New York City. He says, no, David, what do you see? He says, I see the darkness of New York City. And the Lord says again, David, what do you see? And he says, well, I see lights and I see darkness. And um, the Lord spoke to him in that moment and said, see these lights as examples of my light in New York City to have a change of mind so that we're not despairing the darkness, but we're actually able to see what God is actually doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Lord spoke to my friend. He said, uh, each of those lights represents someone I've sent to New York City to be a light in this place that, you know, obviously has a lot of darkness. And he shares that. Uh, in like a chapel setting in seminary and it just like burned into my heart for me to actually live my life as someone who's been sent by God. So Jesus in, in the Gospels, in Gospel John, twice he talks about sending in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Yeah. He says to the Father, I am sending them into the world. And then after Jesus is raised from the dead, he gathers his disciples and says, as a father sent me, so I'm sending you. And uh, they were they were called apostles, right? Uh, you know, the word apostle. But, you know, as I began to look into this, I realized the word apostle means one who is sent. Yes. And so this idea of us getting to, and, and Michael Berder talks about this and Leaders Alliance, this is a big thing for those of you who are considering Leaders Alliance and hearing this podcast. This is a big thing that is on our heart to actually shift the culture of a church from a shepherding church to an apostolic church, to an apostolic people 
for us to embrace the reality that that Jesus ultimately his his heart was to actually establish an apostolic people to establish a people who were sent by him into the world to take the light of the world into those dark places that are in the world and uh now when i come back or come full circle to where we're at now and uh, a big part of what my wife and i are doing even uh, you know we did it in baltimore we did it in raleigh we're doing it here outside of pittsburgh is actually raising up leaders uh who we actually you know sometimes we call them missionaries you know not necessarily a missionary that's sent to the other side of the world but praise god for missionaries who are sent to the other part of the world but what we're doing is we're actually discipling disciples sending them into the marketplace here outside of pittsburgh helping them them to establish community helping them to establish micro churches that's a big part of what we're doing we're we're actually not so much shepherding a church, we're planting micro uh, micro churches, missional communities with established leadership and, and empowering uh, people who are we are discipling and developing as leaders to actually live that life as one who is sent to their neighborhood, that life as one who's actually sent to their workplace. Uh, you know, maybe on a day, some day they're sent to the to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or sent to their favorite restaurant and they're sent there by God to actually be a sent person. Yes. But, but it's just so that, that story so burned in me. And uh, I just began to embrace this life of actually not despairing the darkness, but actually running to the darkness with the light of the gospel. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, let me my friend, yeah, go ahead. Let me interject there, David, because what I'm hearing from you really is the whole element ultimately of repentance because repentance is uh, is a mindset shift right. to change your mind yeah. and how often do we as the church look into a place and all we see is darkness and it is gross darkness we don't deny the truth of the reality of that but there is a greater reality that light always puts out darkness and when you begin to see with really as the lord led you by his spirit or led that person that was on the hill that mm -hmm. shared the story but it affected you that there is light and and it is a bright glorious light that shines in the darkness and it reminds me even in this mindset shift reminds me of uh of where the lord spoke about wineskins you know we've had an yeah. old wineskin for years we yeah. for, for for decades and centuries we seem to have been operating on this pastoral um mindset or or wineskin uh, element where we gather it's the church gathering but jesus when he raised up his disciples it was an apostolic model so how did we go That's over two thousand years to engaging this pastoral model and it only seems so very right that we re-engage the apostolic mindset and model with repentance, change of heart, yeah, and mind, right. where yeah. we're going today with the sentence. So take that now and, and keep well, going. you know, Jesus, Jesus said, right? He he started his teaching ministry with this with with these words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now I had a beautiful way that I heard Randy Clark express this before, but he says, you know, change the way you think because I'm bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. 
Yeah. So change the way you think, because I'm actually living as one Jesus. I'm living as one who was sent from heaven to earth. And so for us to actually change the way we thought. Now, I think we need pastors. We don't like not need pastors. I just think we need people to embrace this concept of, of, uh, of the necessity of the apostolic in a move of God today. Amen. The, the necessity of, and, and not just, uh, I, think, I think people who are shepherds are, should be hooked into the apostolic, that people who are prophets should be hooked into the apostolic. A uh, beautiful thing about uh, Catch the Fire Raleigh, uh, an apostolic resource center. Beautiful thing about Toronto, an apostolic resource center. Beautiful thing about Bethel, an apostolic resource center. H-Rock, an apostolic resource center. We have mm -hmm. these amazing apostolic people, uh, apostles. But I think we also have just apostolic people, people who are taking um, what God has given them. <laughs> Yeah. And going into the marketplace, going into the restaurants, going into uh, standing on street corners. You know, when I went to Baltimore, I, I started on a street corner. I just said, well, Lord, you're sending me to take this light that I have and run with it into the dark place of the inner city of Baltimore. And so I picked the street corner. I hung out on the street corner with Panera and coffee and invited people to have a, a, you know, a pastry. It wasn't, I mean, I wasn't serving health food. It was, I was gathering, I was gathering people to something that would uh, have them come and connect with me and then begin to actually share the light that I had with those who were, you know, many of them living in, in dark places. But the crazy thing is I actually found other people who were carrying the light of the gospel in doing that. You know, we can't say that in dark places there's there's no gospel witness in America today. There, there is. That we, we, people just don't know each other. Um, yeah, so, you know, for me, it was about actually taking this light and, and running to a dark world and then actually helping others to do the same. Yes. Um, you know, I have... Um, I do have a leadership uh, coaching business as well, and, and I know that part of what... Michael wanted us to talk about was was leadership development, but I, I think I think my heart is burning right now for leadership development within the church. Not the idea of raising up other pastors, yes, or other prophets or other apostles, but also in the church, we as a church raising up marketplace people. And and I think that there actually are apostolic marketplace people. Yeah. And I think there are apostolic shepherding people, or I mean, uh, shepherding marketplace people, and there are prophetic marketplace people, and there are evangelist marketplace people and teaching marketplace people, all of them filled with the fivefold beautiful picture of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. They're actually sent into the marketplace, sent into the businesses, sent into the world. But I think the church is a great place to incubate that. It's like what Michael talks about, the church as an incubator of destiny. But that's linked into making disciples who will make disciples, raising up leaders who will raise up leaders 
multiplying ministry that will multiply ministry. And so, yeah, I just feel so strongly. It's like burning inside of me. I think I told you uh, earlier that I was in a, I was in a, just a house of prayer environment this weekend. And I was saying, you know, Lord, what do you, what do you have for Leaders Alliance? What do you have for this podcast? What do you, what do you have for the hub call and all this? And I just really felt like the Lord was, was speaking speak into this reality of us living as sent ones into the world and raising up people, teaching them, coaching them, helping them to actually do that. So, you know, my, another part of my journey is I just have had amazing, amazing people around me in my life, uh, discipling me, pouring into me, you know, uh, I have had uh, the opportunity to have someone like John Maxwell pour into me, but I've also had other people like pour into my life uh, and just even relationships, maybe not relationships of people over me, but peers, you know, how you and uh, Patricia poured into Marilyn, my life, and we poured into your life to, mm-hmm. to actually embrace this together and to do it together. Yes. So uh, one after, after Dave, uh, my friend David shared that, that vision, I felt the Lord say to me, take uh, two matches and light them. I'm like, okay, God, so this is great. I got these two matches. And then I felt like he told me to, to hold them close to each other. And so when I took these two matches, so again, running with the light of the gospel, right? When I took these two matches and I held them close to each other, you know what happened? The flame got bigger. The flame got bigger. And it was like this poof, like almost like a, an explosion of flame. This flame got bigger, right? And so... You know, living as sent ones, but what about if we go? What if we? What about if we actually do it in community as well? Come on, that's good. Um, so the model of church that we're doing here outside of Pittsburgh is we call it a missional community model of church. You know, in in history, there's been a lot of talk on missional church and attractional model and and mega church and different things like that. You know, and I think it used to be called a cell church. And so, you know, I I think if you understand cell churches, that's somewhat what we're doing. But the reason we actually chose to use this term missional community is we didn't want to lose the missional piece. We we do gather, but then we go. And then we come back and, and gather some more and then we go together and then we gather some more and then we go together and we gather some more and then we go together and, and we do it together. Um, I was thinking on, uh, on our Leadership Alliance Hub call, um, Glenn uh, Reed talked about this idea of how a lot of churches, again, though, please don't hear me as disparaging this, but a lot of churches are decreasing the amount of time that small groups meet. So maybe a small group meets for six weeks instead of instead of six months. But yeah. I think a big part of it is building building community, building a community of people that are actually going to run together. So yeah. another part of what my friend Dave uh, shared, which I just I just so feel like the Lord is just like resting on this on this word for the church right now is, you know, the Lord spoke to him and said, told him to work to mobilize these lights to come together. Yeah to mobilize these people who are were sent by the Lord, but don't have the revelation that they were. Yeah. You know, they haven't, they haven't had that mindset change and mobilize them to come together so that the light of God's gospel actually burns even brighter. 
Amen. You know, Dave, you're, you're, there's so much to what you're sharing and, and there's so much to be able to comment on in this regard. But number one, I, I want to say that what I'm hearing is a reiteration of the fact that we were built for community. We, we weren't built to be isolated. Yes. We were created. I guess built is the wrong word. Although biblically built is actually used for the women are built, the men were formed, but we were formed and created. <laughs> um, according to Genesis, the actual proper interpretation, but that's an aside. We were actually created for community. We were created to draw near to one another. And so the church as we know it has sought to gather people throughout the years for the sake of gathering. And so we primarily have recognized and walked out uh, a revelation in person of the church gathered. But what I'm hearing you saying really is an aspect with the missional community aspect of the church scattered. Even the, the sending out, we're talking about the, the marketplace apostolic leaders or marketplace apostles, you know, whether we put the title on it or just recognize the function, which is so crucial because we need both. And we do have this great commission. It is not just a commission. It is a, a great commission and it is the great commission that we're called to engage in. And because the world isn't coming to the church, it's a reminder once again that the church has got to go to the world, which is primarily found in the marketplace. And yeah. so as we even look at somewhat of this new wineskin because again as i think about a wineskin and i think of wine you know we've had wine that's kind of molded to or fit into the wineskin that has been presented by believers through recent centuries and, and i think even COVID has somewhat dashed a, a degree of that there's nothing wrong we must continue to gather as the church it is essential What's, what's not known is what format we gather. We may gather in large groups. I believe we will continue. It's, it's crucial yeah. as we worship together, as we you know, are exhilarated in the presence of the Lord collectively through worship that ascends to the throne and his presence is there. It's glorious. But there's elements of gathering together in homes or even the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, which is Really, our roots, even within Catch the Fire, came from the vineyard. And the vineyard movement was known. That was a prime purpose that we want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, that's not right. equipping the saints to work in church programs, although there's nothing wrong with that. I think primarily what, you're, what I'm hearing from you is it's equipping the saints to actually be released wherever they go. As you go, make disciples so that we actually are trained and taught and raised up to be making disciples uh, and go as sent ones, apostolic sent ones, wherever we go. And that's what I'm hearing from you, yeah. even in your missional yeah. community. It's it's go, it's come back, it's gather together, it's be equipped and trained, it's go again. Does that does that sound like an accurate assessment? Yeah. You know, I another way of picturing this is there's... Um, you know, there's a lot of talk today about the, the seven mountains or the seven spheres of culture, right? And, you know, you have the, the education sphere and the media sphere and the government sphere and the, and the family sphere. And then over here, you actually have the religious sphere. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of times we put church in the religious sphere. Uh, and we think that churches should exist to build bigger and better churches because That's we're siloed. Yeah, we're right. siloed, right? My thought is that 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 
church silo needs to fall into the other, you know, it's almost like, you know, this idea of the kingdom of God came and was presented in Daniel's coming and, and like bowling over this, what was it, like statue or whatever that had the different, you know, types of metals or, or whatever it is. I've, I, I'm a pastor. I should know that story a lot better than I do. But, you know, it's like <laughs> the idea that this silo of the church should fall into the other mountains so that the goal of the church is not to make bigger and better churches. Shouldn't the goal of the church to make bigger and better doctors and bigger and better media people and bigger and better educators so that we pray about what God is actually doing. And, uh, you know, we we're open to him doing great and amazing things through us, but it actually, that actually happens in the other spheres of kingdom, you know, there's the, the education. So what happens then is this silo of the religious silo, which, yeah, there are other religions out there in the world. So I totally get that. And, you know, uh, I remember, um, someone telling me once that, uh, you know, uh, you look at uh, Islam, Islam actually does, uh, whether you want to just just note it as a sociological phenomenon, but Islam does a good job of discipling people, <laughs> you know, and so they do a good job of falling into these other realms of, uh, of culture. Well, why we who have Jesus living inside of us mm-hmm. don't also really help people to live as people who are sent into media, sent into government, sent into these other sides. So that's just another picture. So of, let's let's take that, that picture that then. You know, if, if if that's really where the church is meant to be, then these doctors and educators and researchers and all those that are in the different spheres of culture and society. Really, I think what I'm hearing is is if the church would really begin to take up the mantle of equipping and sending, training, sending, equipping, we want to see discipling, discipling, discipling and developing. Right. Yeah. And then therefore, we want to see that each one of these people, number one, they are the church being sent, but they also are still called to gather with the church that as the church would actually take to heart at another level the role of discipleship training equipping mentoring doing life with them that there's actually an arm where they're connected to the gathered church but they're also part of the scattered church in the realm of society and culture where they're at yeah that's right uh you know it's that concept of ecclesia everywhere right (laughs) it is it is you know uh uh, tell me, I you know I have a brain fog here. Uh, who's the gentleman from Argent, the pastor from Argentina? Ed Silvoso. Ed, Ed Silvoso, right? The yeah. idea of ecclesia everywhere. If we really understand the concept of ecclesia, yeah, you know, we understand that God wants it. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage uh, in Ephesians um, chapter one that I've really been meditating on a lot as well related to this whole concept. Um, and uh, Paul writes these words. This is related to the church. And it says in verse 22, uh, and he, 
put all things under his feet, meaning the father put all things under his son's feet, under Jesus' yeah. feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church. Now, verse 23, though, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, it says in the ESV, yeah. other translations say, that fills everything everywhere. Right. The idea of ecclesia everywhere, the idea of this silo church existing to actually raise up people to go into all the different spheres of culture, to impact culture so that, you know, uh, we talk about this in, um, in our network. So um, my wife and I, we are, uh, part of a network of missional communities. Uh, we have a leadership role there. We're actually establishing multiple missional communities along the Ohio River. And each of these missional communities, we're raising up leadership for these missional communities. You could hear microchurch, cell church, you know, whatever your understanding of that is. Um, but, but what we're we, we use a term, we call it gospel saturate, saturation, but it could also be ecclesia saturation. Absolutely. It's to actually see a person in every network of relationships who knows and loves the Lord and is able to influence those network of relationships so that the church is able to influence this whole region through that. So... Now, at the core of that for us, we bring it down to the micro, that's a macro, but what's the micro level? The micro level is me discipling this person and this person and this person who they're gonna turn around and disciple these people and they're gonna turn around and they're gonna disciple these people. But for us, discipleship uh, is we, we just have a, we, we place a higher value on this concept of discipleship. So we do simple, we do church simply, we do simple church, right? Uh, and so we, I guess, kind of like lower the bar maybe on, on church in some ways, you know, don't see that as diluting the church. See that as like, we're just not right now into like the mega church, all the effort that you have to put in this home. So we do church in a simple way of worship, community, and mission. Those three things we say as are essential to church. Worship, worshiping God, you know, well, what does that look like? Well, if I say, Lord be praised, I've just worshiped him. Mm -hmm. Or I could sing, you know, the song, the Bethel song, you know, your praise will always be on my lips, right? Like in a big gathering, but still it's like Jesus as Lord at the center of our church is worshiping Jesus as Lord. And then community and community is us connecting together in ecclesia, in church, in, in this um, way of, of bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the one another passages and equipping one another but then we also say mission, which mission is raising people up and teaching them and then going together with them into wherever their life leads them, trusting that where their life is leading them is the Lord Jesus actually sending them there. Yes. 
So we do that and we do that and, and we and we do that around the concept of intentional discipleship. So the macro level gospel saturation of a region, but uh, missionaries, missionaries will ask this question. Um, it's uh, it's called it's a, a I've heard it said wig take W I G T A K E wig take. What's it going to take? So here's the question. What's it going to take to saturate this region with the gospel? Well, it's going to mean to have a gospel witness in every network of relationships. Okay, well, what's it going to take to have a gospel network in every network of relationships? Well, if you zero it back down, today it means me having coffee with a guy named Joe at the coffee shop where I'm actually sharing the love of God with him and inviting him into a, a discipleship relationship. He comes to Christ and because and, and we see this repeated over and we've see, we're seeing this like now it's getting to it's repeated exponentially. But, you know, it starts out slow, but the exponential factor goes fast of uh, of intentional discipleship and then helping them to turn around and begin to disciple others so that it spreads. But again, each of these disciples, it's not, it, it is, don't think there isn't an, an important part of gathering because that's community and, and worship can be part of that. But it's also getting them to embrace their own missional frontier, yes. which could be Asia, could be Africa, could be Iran, or it could be 901 Merchant Street, Ambridge, Pennsylvania, 15003. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be the street corner that I'm sitting on right now, right? That that could be the missional frontier for, for some, some people. That's very good. Now, David, in regard to this then, um, what I'm hearing is, and what we're discussing is the area of discipleship, but let's talk about the difference, if any or much, between discipleship and leadership development. Yeah, that is that is a huge question, right? And I think what um, you know, a lot of churches are are really considering this. They're they're processing this. Like, how do we develop leaders? I have been meditating on this, and I am very open to someone correcting me on this. Totally. You know, feel free to do this, John, or anyone on the podcast, you know, hit me up on this. But I think the way that Jesus developed leaders was he discipled them. Like, I think Jesus's leadership development program was a discipleship program. You know, uh, you go all the way back to Robert Coleman, right? I think he was the one who wrote the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, and then I think he wrote another book, maybe it was called The Master Plan of Discipleship or, or what, you know, I mean, he he points out that Jesus only had one strategy. Right. Now, obviously, there were people that proved more faithful, right? But that takes us into the Timothy passage. Yes. Right, where we take the things that we have received and we pass them on to faithful people. So, so again, like I, I think that how did Jesus, uh, how did Jesus make leaders? Well, how did he make disciples? You know, he, he met with them on a regular basis. 
he taught them, he showed them, he had them do it. They came back, reported what they did. He encouraged them, redirected them, you know, helped them to see things differently, set them out again. They came, you know, and then eventually he left them. But before he left them, he breathed in them the Holy Spirit, yes. right? Yes. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. That's the whole discipleship direction. But I would say that's a leadership development direction. You know, so I've been a, a John Maxwell uh, leadership coach and, and, and love John Maxwell, uh, love his materials. You know, there's not a single book that John Maxwell has written that he doesn't express his faith. And a lot of what John Maxwell expresses in his books is really just the life that Jesus lived. Uh, I hope I hope that's okay to share. I haven't checked this with John Maxwell yet, but you know, uh, you go to one of his trainings, and on a, uh, I forget what night it is. Or I think it's in a morning session. I think it's like a Wednesday morning. They actually do a church service, so you, you got all these people that aren't even necessarily believers that go to you know his big conferences uh, with the leadership uh, Maxwell leadership, and uh, he does a church service. Yeah, and he does an altar call. <laughs> Amazing. And people come, people come forward, and it's pretty crazy when you see the number of people that come forward at this, you know, Maxwell. So, so, so John Maxwell, and if you don't know John Maxwell, he was huge in the Promise Keeper movement and and all this other stuff. He he was huge in this. He had a whole program for developing leaders in the church, but but he got that from faithful men who poured into him. You know, which yeah. those faithful men were believers who had it poured into them these different principles of leadership. So, you know, I'm a I'm a John Maxwell leadership coach, a part of the Maxwell leadership team. But again, it goes back to the way that Jesus did it. Yeah. So you might say you're you're obviously a disciple of Jesus, but it's also fair to say you've been a disciple of John Maxwell. Of, of John Maxwell, I, I've been a disciple of, you know, Paul Bubna. I've been a disciple of, uh, um, you know, Paul Bubna was a former president of the CMA, you know, I mean, the Christian Missionary Alliance. I mean, I've been, but I've also been a disciple of Roy, you know, Buckout, who is, who knows Roy Buckout? Well, he loved Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And he took a bunch of uh, young guys in seminary and he would take us out to lunch and he was an elder in a church and he just poured his life into us. So the idea of leadership development, even when I do leadership coaching, a lot of it is I prefer the one-on-one -on -one, uh, coaching times. I can do group coaching, but I prefer the one-on-one -on -one because I'm able to really get deeper into the person's heart in these one-on-one -on -one times and actually helping them to process you know, their life, calling out of themselves what the Lord has put in them. You know, the other thing about sent ones, right? You know, Jesus breathed into them the Holy Spirit. Yes. Well, prior to that, in the Gospel of John, he said, the Holy Spirit will take of me and give to you. Yeah. And then when he's talking about the Holy Spirit in 14, he says, and I and the Father will manifest ourselves to you. 
but that's the work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jesus breathed in them the Holy Spirit. So we actually have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that, um, you know, filled Jesus. You know, yeah. uh, that same Holy Spirit that allows us to use Jesus as an example, knowing that the same Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And not only that, but Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus actually lives inside of us. Yes. The original right. sent one lives inside of the sent ones. So a supernatural, how about this? A supernatural spirit-filled discipleship strategy was Jesus's discipleship strategy. So a supernatural leadership development strategy of believers embracing the fullness of the spirit in their own life, realizing that they have everything in them to address any issue that they actually face along with this, the word of God, and then going into the world with it. Um, I just, I think like my wife and I, we, we say this all the time. This is what we signed up for. <laughs> like, That's good. Give, give us this, give us this. We will do this. You know, I, I shared on the, on the, in the hub call, you know, uh, at a point in my career as a pastor, I pretty much just about buried a church by, uh, being a shepherd, which I'm not you know, like this high touch person and not actually developing leaders. So that for me was a huge eye opener that actually made me reach out to John Maxwell at the very, at, you know, at the very beginning of it to say, I need someone who's going to teach me how to raise up leaders, how to make disciples as opposed to just pastoral care touching, which again, like my journey was, you know, the church just, did not move forward out of that. And that was me. That, that was me. So now, you know, I realize, you know, I take Destiny Finder. I, I score high in apostolic and high in prophetic. So I actually have to be me now. And being me means I find faithful men and women who I pour into who are going to find faithful women who they will pour into who are going to find faithful women who they will pour into. And a big part for me of that pouring into is actually to point them to the harvest field, to pray for the fields, the, uh, pray for workers in the field, um, you know, because it's ripe on the harvest. And to actually believe that change of mind, right? So again, disparaging the darkness, you know, but who's telling us that no one wants to hear, John? Who's telling us that no one wants to hear the gospel? Who's telling us that culture is, you know, uh, going to H-E double toothpicks in a handbasket? Like who's, who's actually telling us that when Jesus actually told us that the fields are ripe unto harvest? Yeah. And so that's the whole thing. That's, that's what is so like life-giving to us is realizing, hey, I've been sent by God to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to find others who will be sent by God. Yeah, may certainly go to Asia, go to Africa, go to Iran. But I've been sent here to actually raise up people that will go into their neighborhoods and love the people in their neighborhoods with the That's gospel. So good.
Really, really good, David. And it, and isn't it a a wonderful paradigm shift? Maybe not for all, but for many. That what if this became our primary modus operandi? You know, if that became something that we in, in you know in view of the great commandment and the great commission. Yeah, we recognize yeah. that we want to live our lives in such a way that if Second Timothy two two is a four generational response, what if yeah. we actually, as sent ones, apostolic sent ones, really took to heart and and dug into that and say, I want to see a fulfillment of Second Timothy two two in my life, where let's That's say right. David Smock discipled me who am i discipling and and, and am i deciding the person i'm discipling are they discipling somebody else even as it pertains to destiny yeah. discovery and i think that's the beauty yeah. even of scripture is that it's not like there's a rigid set of boundaries like gutters on a on a bowling lane you know that you can't i think yeah. there's a flexibility yeah. as the spirit leads where it will be enjoyable and yet we will see fulfillment of the purposes of God as we release the light and bring our lights together to see that fusion and combustion as you first shared in that earlier story. So, yeah, no, that's good, John. I, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, you've been <laughs> signed up, David. That's why you're on the call, but I think we need to start to wrap down. And, and I mean, we, you know, I, it's been really excellent. We haven't heard a lot about things like, you know, any, any great failures that you've learned from that have so set your trajectory or anything like that. But is there any, maybe a story or something that you could oh, share? Well, you know, I mean, I did, I did share that, you know, um, you may have missed it, but you know, I, I pastored a, a church True. where I, I, I didn't really have that mindset. I, I didn't, uh, you know, there were, there were faithful men and women in this church and, I just myself, I did not really embrace a mindset of pouring into them and and the whole idea of developing, of leadership development, you know. Um, you know, here's here's a John Maxwell uses this. I'll, I'll just kind of use it with you. You know, we think sometimes if we develop people that they will actually leave. Okay. Well, what's worse, that we develop someone and they leave, or we don't develop anyone and they all stay? <laughs> like, like, think about that. What is, there's a good possibility if you pour into someone's life, they actually will stay. Or if they get sent somewhere else, that's great. You know, our leadership team in Baltimore, everyone from our leadership team came to us in the you know this story john you journeyed with us through this but every person in our leadership team who we've been pouring into in these principles having them pour into others every person in our leadership team within two weeks told us that they felt god was calling them to a different part of the world and so in baltimore our leadership team just kind of dispersed you know this idea of like we want to build leaders. We need to be about the people development process. I just call that today discipleship, leadership development. Now, it's crazy. I was talking to someone in the secular world, wasn't even a believer, and they actually used the word discipleship. And I was like, where did you hear that? And they were like, oh, well, we kind of talked about it in the office, like every once in a while that, you know, we're, we're you know, we're they got somehow they got this concept of of 
people development. And it's, it's a people development. That's what Jesus did. He just developed people. He actually called it discipleship because that was a term that was used in their culture. Yeah, that's right. Right? So in our culture, it's people development. Well, how are we actually just developing our people? Um, so yeah, so my, my failure and what I learned was I learned no, and this is where I kind of have now become wired to this. I look for people that I can actually pour into, who will pour into others, who will pour into others. And then what happens is it's amazing, but then the church gets the pastoral care touches, right? Which for me to do that, I'm working out of, I'm working in a place not of my gifting. So I'm not even doing it well, but then it takes me out of the place of my strength which I'm not able to function in. So each of us actually has to find our place in all of this. Each of us has a finer place in the fivefold gifting. And this is what kind of like eye opening to me. Uh, and this is actually when I began to actually embrace this idea of the fivefold uh, gifts in the, in the New Testament and to help people to see where they're wired and help them to like live in the light of that develop them to do that and to actually live in the light in the light of that That's excellent, um, but yeah it was it was a rough it was a rough go for a few years of me feeling like my calling was to touch everyone you know the picture that i had was you you have a pole in the circus right and you have this plate and you're spinning these plates then you set up another pole and you're spinning a plate and you set up another pole and you're spinning a plate and then eventually this plate slows down. So you have to run over to this one, spin this plate while these are slowing, and then you're spinning. And for me, that was what my ministry was like. I was like spinning plates and getting worn out and falling apart myself and, you know, struggling in a lot of different areas. But it really was when I, when I discovered this idea of actually the, the Timothy model, which I believe uh, Paul never, he wasn't, you know, in his life, discipled by Jesus before the cross, you know, Jesus appeared to him, right, on the road to Damascus. But but where did he get this strategy? Well, Barnabas, this guy named Barnabas, took a man named Saul and began to pour into Saul's life. Yes. And then they went into Antioch and they began to pour into other people's lives. And they poured into John Mark's life and he poured into Luke's life and he poured into Timothy's life. And so I just feel like even Paul, Saul, Paul, you know, was following the methodology of the Lord. Not only that, but the Lord Jesus Christ lived inside of Paul. Yeah. You know, communing with Paul, in relationship with Paul, downloading his strategy for how to actually see the first century church explode in the Roman Empire. Why can't we get back? Why can't we get back to that? So. Well, and I think we will, David, because I believe that this, the, the very realities that you're speaking of are actually the trajectory or the roadway that'll lead us there. So as we as we shut down the, the podcast for today, uh, would you pray a blessing over us? Just pray maybe the Lord would release that apostolic yeah. in our yeah. lives and, uh, yeah. and we'll call it a day on this. Yeah. Well, Lord, Jesus, you came and you repent. You, you preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Believe the good news. 
So Lord, would you so fill us to overflowing with good news? And you, would you lead the church in the worldview mindset change that needs to occur for us to truly be the church, for us to be the community of faith, the body of Christ that fills everything in every way? Lord, we so need a move of your spirit for this to happen. Would you move by your spirit? Would you so fill us full, full to overflowing so that we actually live the normal Christian life? Lord, would you forgive us for living below what is our potential? For living below what is our destiny and our calling? And Lord, would you so move in us would you connect us into intimate disciple-making relationships where either we need to be discipled or we need to disciple another so that disciples who make disciples will make disciples will make disciples. Yeah. And then, Lord, would you position each of those disciples into their missional frontier, their their place in which you are sending them missionally but also lord on a daily ongoing basis of walking intimately with you where we only do what we see you doing and we only say what we hear you saying jesus we love you father we love you holy spirit we love you and so would you so fill us full to overflowing with that mystical union that we are? Would you give us that revelation so that we can actually follow the commands of Jesus, thus displaying our love for him, that the world may see it and the world may know. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, David Smock, and God bless you, and we'll see you all next week. Bye for now.